Hi, it's uh, your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. This is uh, bonus show number two. Um, I'm using the uh, built-in microphone on the laptop because I have a cat on my laptop that uh, she just wants to lay here for some reason. I feel a little bit like, uh, was it Blofeld from uh, the James Bond movies? Anyway, what you're about to hear is part two of my interview with George Robb, the host of the Geologic Podcast. He's a musician, songwriter, singer, uh, podcaster. Uh, he's a very talented guy, and he was very generous with me back in uh, January of 2011. Uh, this show uh, first aired on uh, January 22nd, 2011. So it was my 40th show. And uh, uh, as I said, he was very generous with his time. If you listen to the bonus show from last, the last bonus show, bonus show number two, you got to hear us talk about atheism and skepticism, some podcast stuff. And uh, this time, talk more about his music. He had just put out an album called Trebuchet, which is a really good album. If you can you know, find it, you can find it. It's out there on Amazon or something. Uh, it's really good. And uh, so we talk more about his music and how he does the, writes his songs and things of that nature. Um, we do mention, or in the first part, we mentioned that uh, he was coming up on his 200th podcast. Now, I'm sitting here on a Friday morning recording this little bit here for you. And tomorrow, Saturday, uh, will be February 25th, uh, 2017. Is that the year? Yeah, it is. Um, George will be doing his 500th podcast. Yeah, it's a big 500 thing. You'll be hearing this. It'll be past time anyway. So um, so that just shows you how much time has gone. Well, let's see. Um, yeah, I don't think I need to say much more. Uh, I, I, last time I had a bit of a cold. I still have, or, or the flu. I don't know what I had, but it really kicked my butt. And uh, I still have the remnants. So, uh, may, I don't know if I'll do a show this week. Because <laughs> uh, if I can't get through an hour talking without coughing and hacking, it's, well, that's not fair to the listener, is it? But what's fair to you is for me to just shut the hell up and get on to uh, playing this uh, interview I did six years ago or so with George Robb of the Geologic Podcast. This is part two of that interview. Let's see if this works. It does. This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Put on your critical thinking caps. It's time for Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Tonight, tonight is coming tonight, 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 hot damn tonight. That's right, hot damn tonight. Hey everybody, it's ztalkradio.com uh, that you're tuned into, and this is the Dimland, well this is Dimland Radio. Okay, let's get, <clears throat> hang on a minute, that, that was all ass ackwards or whatever the words are. Let's start again. <clears throat> okay, hang on, hang on. Hey everybody, it's Welcome to Dimland Radio. Hey, I think I almost got it right that time. Uh, on the Z Talk Radio Network, I am your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. How's everybody doing tonight? Great, that's fine. Uh, I'm okay. My pink eye's gone. I talked about that last week. I'm talking kind of quick because I want to get through this as fast as possible so I can get into part two of my epic interview with George Robb. Uh, those of you who uh, know the skeptical movement have probably heard of George Robb. Those of you who don't, but were listening last week, heard George Robb, the first part of my two-part interview. Um, 
that first part we dealt mainly with uh, skepticism and atheism and then those sorts of related topics. Now this time, tonight, we talk about George George's music. Uh, he is a musician, a songwriter, a singer. Uh, he has an album that he put out back last summer, came out. It's called Trebuchet. Uh, I just got mine um, in the mail uh, uh, earlier this week, So, and it's great. So um, anyway, uh, let's see. So tonight we talk mostly about how he does his music, uh, his songwriting, what he does to deal with writer's block and that sort of thing. Um, let's see, am I going to go to break too early? Now let's see. Um, um, well, I do have this quick little thing. Uh, my wife, uh, we have a second car. Well, we have it sitting in the garage now. Uh, she has a Volvo. That's uh, an old one, 1990, 20 years old uh, or more. And it's got over... 215,000 miles on it, and we've had it for about four years or so, and it finally said, I've had enough. Uh, the transmission went out. We had it towed back to the house. It's in the garage right now, and it's probably going to be donated to some place, and we're down to one car again, so yeah, who knows how long that'll last, but uh, yeah, you know, these things happen. So, um, as I said, uh, tonight is the second part of my two-part interview with George Robb. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight. I'm going to throw it to break right now so I can get it started. So uh, you are listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. After this break, I'm going to go right into part two of my interview with the amazing, uh, the phenomenal, the fabulous George Robb. <laughs> I'll be Hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ZTalkRadio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Are your friends telling you that your lack of a love life is because Mars isn't rising in the house of Jupiter and that it's just like a Sagittarius to question things? Have Suzanne Summers and Jenny McCarthy become the sole source of medical advice for your mother-in-law? Have you had to argue the fact that the efficacy of coffee enemas has not been proven by science? Has the use of the evolution is just a theory argument driven you to the point of telling your co-workers to, okay, Stop using gravity then. As dealing with dowsers, arguing with anti-vaxxers, harping on homeopathists, quarreling with collations, squabbling with Scientology, and bickering with Bigfoot left you wondering, what can I do to fight the woo? Then head on over to the James Randi Educational Foundation at www.randi.org and contribute to the Season of Reason fundraising campaign by clicking on the donate button. Every dollar you give helps fight Wu the world over. Don't just get frustrated. Get involved. Donate at www.randi.org. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Look at my 
and that was uh, Where Have You Been by my guest tonight, uh, George Robb, uh, off his album Trebuchet, and uh, it's an excellent song. We talk about that in a little bit in this interview coming up. You're back with uh, Dimland Radio on ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, and I'm going to send it right into part two of this interview. If uh, Incidentally, if you missed part one, you can get it on the show archives. Just go to ztalkradio.com, click on the show archives, look for the Dimland Radio folder, and you'll find it in there. It'll say... George Robb, Part 1, and go ahead and give that a listen. Uh, and right now, give a listen to Part 2. Okay, great, because I want to talk about Trebuchet. Okay, please. Uh, <clears throat> um, it's my favorite of your work. Uh, I don't know all of your work, I'm sorry to say, but um, I know a lot of it. Uh, it's my favorite. Uh, I think this, it's probably the most personal of your material that you've done uh, that I'm aware of. Yeah. And it's there's just something about the... I don't know. I think you sound a heck of a lot more comfortable uh, with your voice and with uh, just what you're doing. Uh, maybe the five years, it really shows. There's a some yeah, to it that I really like. Uh, in fact, um, early on, because as I'm a listener to your podcast, and you always kind of you know throw little you know bones to the audience and say, "Well, here's something I'm working on sure. for this little album," demos, yeah. and you put on the song uh, "Out of My Mind." And uh, and that was on that's on this album, isn't it? Uh, no, that's no, on the entire thing. No. Oh, where have you been? Okay, where sure. Where have you been? That's it. When yeah. I heard that song early on, I just I started looking. Where is it? Where is it? Because yeah. I just loved it. <laughs> I thought this oh, song thanks. is just great. Um, anyway, so that's I'm just gushing for a while to make you. Oh, feel thank good. you, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, that was one that was written very quickly. Kind of it just that was every now and then uh you write something that just kind of jumps out of your face mm -hmm. uh, in one in one fell swoop and that and that one did yeah it's a it's a rare kind of three piece uh power trio song <laughs> for it's, me it was you know and you play okay your primary instrument is drum right. drums but do you also play guitar and bass is there anything yeah. else you play a little bit of piano if i have to mm -hmm. but that's that's about it Boy, you people with talent <laughs> i can draw <laughs> That's good. That. That's good. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's funny you say that because that's another one of these things that, like these 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 presuppositions about people with talent. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 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 a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's yeah. a lot of work, man. I mean, I I just this summer I got a, a weighted keyboard finally, and for years I've always complained about my piano chops. My piano chops are crappy. I can't play keyboard. I can't play keyboard. Oh, I wish I could play piano. And I got a kind of a I I found a cheap. Uh, 88 key weighted piano which I put in my living room and you know every day 15 20 minutes and wow over the course of like six months suddenly I'm a better piano player mm. go figure yeah. you know it's it's not it's not some magic elixir it's not some you know god-given talent it's just stupid sheer time mm -hmm. that enters into it so you know, I, I, as a kid, I, I, every day after school played drums endlessly. All through college, I played guitar endlessly. Mm -hmm. After college, I played, you know, bass and guitar endlessly. Mm -hmm. Hours and hours of time. So it's, yeah, maybe there's some talent, quote unquote, but uh, everyone can, can, can get better at what they do mm -hmm. and expand their capabilities and their talents. Um, just by sheer dint of 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 effort and time. Right. So yeah, don't 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 get yourself down or don't well, don't yeah, think it's I, some magic thing. Yeah, I I used to I used to say when people asked me how I could draw so well, it, it at the time that they were asking me, now that I look back on it, and I was pretty good at that point in high school, art school. Mm -hmm. uh, I was pretty good at it, and uh, I, I'm much better uh, drawer than I was when I graduated art school, and that sure. was. 20 something years ago yeah you would uh, hope right yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and some people don't that's, that's the thing that you know some people do some people don't though but yeah, yeah but but when i would be asked about that time especially in high school maybe it's the arrogance of high school but i would say well i, I don't know how come you can't because it's to me it's just it's such a natural process but then yeah, right. as i look back at it now i was drawing a lot and yeah. i was you know i would talk uh i have two brothers and a sister and all four of us every kid draws and of the four of us, I was the one who just kept doing it. Yep. Uh, yep. At some point, my younger brother was pretty good for a while, but then he just kind of stopped, and I just kept doing it. Sure. And so, um, 
you talk about Trebuchet being kind of the, the your favorite of the stuff mm-hmm. that I've done so far, and it's you know mm-hmm. it's the it's the latest one, and, and that all enters into it. It's funny how it all relates to that very subject. Like I would hope that my songwriting is getting better. I would mm-hmm. hope that my singing is getting better, my confidence or whatever. Yeah. And there's a certain there's a certain relief, and like <laughs> when the album's done, you go. Okay, I think this is like the best thing I've done. You know, th- th- I love every, I love, there's moments on every album and there's a certain, um, innocence, like on the very first record, there's a certain excitement, which I, I that vibe is very hard to catch again yeah. of like, oh my God, I'm in a studio. This is so exciting. Uh-huh. You know, I'm 24 years old and I'm so excited to be here. This is, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's hard to recreate when you're 40. Uh, but, uh, hopefully you can, you can build and, and understand what works and what doesn't better than you can when you were that age. Um, so yeah, so I'm I, I'm I'm glad that you that you like it and that most people seem to like this sort of uh, or, or see it as some of the best work that I've done. It's great, and I love the cover. Oh, thanks. This yeah, cover is fantastic. Uh, you know, proof that levitation is possible. That's right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now with Trebuchet, you did something. You know, in this in the day and age that we are in, when it comes to music of downloading. Uh, the CD or the the actual album formats seem to be disappearing. Right. Um, although I still I I, uh, I ordered uh, your Trebuchet today. I had ordered it back at, when it first came out, but it was out of I was out of stock. And oh, okay. I must have canceled the order or something like that. And I had well, what I'm building to is that when you put out your album, you did something that would seem uh, counterintuitive to the commercial sense. Yeah. Is you put it on your podcast for free? Yes. What yeah. Was- we just we decided Slough and I, my producer and the, the incredible Slough, we were talking and we we wanted to do some version of the PDF of a of a of a novel that was being done. Uh, uh, Scott Sigler, who is a a science fiction kind of horror writer, mm-hmm. um, part you know he 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 writes and podcasts his books. As he write, as he writes them, chapter by chapter, he writes a chapter, then he podcasts it. And uh, when he was about to release a physical book, he gave it to all of his podcasting friends and fans uh, a PDF of the novel. Said, "Here's put it in your feed. Mm-hmm. You'll get this PDF and read it if you like it on such and such a date. Please go buy a physical copy." And this resulted in him being number seven on Google or, or on Amazon or whatever mm-hmm. it was. The, the details I'm getting wrong, but the Basic idea was was that this independent guy managed to get into the very very top of uh, the Amazon sales solely by giving his work away. And we tried. We were wondering what would be a musical version of this. And we had ideas of like, oh, maybe an acoustic version of the album, or you know, who knows? But because it's still a little bit different, the difference between a PDF of a novel and an MP3 of a song, like that's it. That's done. You know, like the song is that is exactly what it's going to sound like. So finally, we ended up thinking, screw it, let's put the whole album as a single gigantic file, mm-hmm. one big MP3 into the feed. And for your listeners that are interested, if you go to geologicpodcast.com, mm-hmm. uh, it's show number 170. And you can download it, 71 minutes of the entire album. It's all 17 songs. It's completely free. Mm-hmm. And we said, let's try. Let's see what happens. And we put it into my show, and we put it into, I think, 14 other shows uh, and just this week, actually, someone put it into their feed in Sweden, a Swedish podcast, put it into their feed as well. Excellent. So it's still it's still kind of going. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, we estimated that about a hundred thousand downloads of the of the album happened, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure there was doubling and tripling. Some people, a lot of my fans, listen to these other shows as well. But whatever. Um, and the sales went through the roof, Ooh, through good. the absolute roof. We were we were on the top page of the CD Baby. Uh, a website for a number of weeks, which surprised me. I didn't think that we'd be a top seller there for as long as we were. And not only that, but it actually pulled up the, the back catalog as well. So sales of Interabang, the album before, and yeah. sales of Coelacanth went up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that's seed? So it works? Totally, yeah. We actually, we Ms. Info just handed me a note that said we were on the CD Baby page for months, the months. top seller, not not just weeks, but months. See, that's so, why she's Ms. Information. That's it. She's always got the, she's always got the, <laughs> the correct info for me. So yeah, so it was, it was, it's extremely counterintuitive, like you said. It's against the Western model of sales, but it completely works because I think it's a, 
it's a recursive respect that one that that, that is produced with your audience where you say look i've worked really hard on this and i'm really happy with it i know you guys if you like it will buy either the whole thing or one song or maybe we'll tell someone about it like i know that you guys are smart enough and realize how this works and you will do that um not everyone and people will people will ride and take free stuff however they can and but that's such a small percentage mm -hmm. of the listeners and um it worked out great. And so I think that there's a mutual respect that happens where it's like, okay, you know what? George appreciates our taste enough and our mm -hmm. listening enough that he's going to, he's going to give us this, you know, uber preview essentially of what he's done. And if we like it, uh, we'll get, you know, we'll spend a buck. If nothing else, we'll spend a dollar. That's all I ever ask mm -hmm. for people that listen to my show is, you know what? Go buy one song. It makes a huge difference. That's those 99 cents. It doesn't seem like it does, but boy, it really makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, I I bought uh, out of my mind uh, on the strength of the video that you put up for it. Oh, cool. You know, the middle section was the more interesting part, but yeah. <laughs> people who see the video will understand what I mean. Yes. <laughs> but you know, again, uh, it's, it's like exper experimentation. You know, at home, kind of. I had an afternoon. I didn't. I think I had a gig canceled or something, so I had a Friday afternoon and evening free. And I thought, all right, I could sit here and watch TV, or I could actually do something. So I, I just sort of did that to see if the CFD multiple QuickTime. It's a, it's a video shot using multiple QuickTime windows, like in real time, mm -hmm. and um, it worked and it was fun. And yeah, we have a couple thousand hits. You know, it's something yeah. that you couldn't have done ten years ago, which is yeah. really cool. It was great, and and I think that was one of the one of your uh, one of the first songs I heard of you where I was saying, I'm hearing some XTC in here. Oh, cool. Which we talked about it. Like, I'm hearing some XTC. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know. um, Let's see. I, I was going to ask you about uh, you did this project called the Occasional Songs for the Periodic Table, mm -hmm. and what you're, as if I recall correctly, it was to deal with a bit of writer's block. You were trying to make yourself uh, write a song for each of the elements of the periodic table. And you exactly. Did something like 112 songs. It's 118, actually. 118. Yeah. Or it's 100, 112, 118 elements, 112 songs. Yeah. The yeah. last, the last eight are all kind of lumped together because they're these like uh, they're they're these elements like ununubium and uh, mm -hmm. ununctium, which is this stuff only exists when you have nuclear explosions for like a millisecond. Mm -hmm. So they're not that interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was that's exactly right. I had I had had I, I couldn't write a song. I just couldn't. I, nothing was coming out, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to wallow in writer's block. So I thought, let me do something which is kind of meaningless. And I had just listened to John Hodgman's reading of his uh, Areas of My Expertise, which is a book that he wrote, which is essentially a, a book full of, it's an encyclopedia full of fake facts. Mm -hmm. John Hodgman is the PC in the PC Apple commercials. I don't know if you know of, of this guy. Oh, that Bri guy. Okay. Brilliant writer, brilliant writer, very, very funny, very dry, very funny, very smart. And on the audio version of his book, uh, Jonathan Colton, who's another singer-songwriter, geek kind of singer-songwriter, did a song, a theme song for each state, mm -hmm. uh, because Hodgman gives these fake facts about each state. So I thought, okay, that's kind of a cool, and they're like, they were 20 seconds long. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, that would be a neat little distraction where I don't have to, I don't have the weight of, you know, writing a four-minute song or a seven-minute song or writing a bridge and a chorus and a second verse and a third verse. What can I do? And I thought, okay, well, he did the states. What can, you know, what, like, can I do countries? I'm like, no, that's going to that's gonna be tough because you kind of, we're going to have a feel for ethnic songs. And yeah. what could I, and I thought, oh, elements, elements, perfect. You know, because what what is a song about mercury going to be there's no preconceived idea necessarily you know or about sulfur you know like what 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 are you going to do so it was just this nice opportunity for me to just write whether it was 15 seconds or whether it was i think the longest song is like two and a half minutes mm -hmm. um never thinking i would finish but just thinking it would be something to get me writing yeah. And, you know, like you said, 112 songs later, you know, I got 50 elements in or uh, 75 elements in and I thought I should just finish this freaking thing because why not? And, right. uh, and I did. And, and boy, it's like a, this lost album of mine because it's about an hour and 20 minutes of music. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it. And I, 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 I am going to revisit that at some point. Mm -hmm. And I would like to, I, I, I did a condensed version of it 
at a conference in Vegas two years ago. I did about, I think it was 50 out of the 112 songs. Okay. It was a 45-minute version. Um, but I would like to do a full performance of it at some point and maybe even rewrite some of them and, and do it kind of like as a as an interactive kind of performance. I think it would be a lot of fun and, and, and interesting and just like I call it the, you know, the first geek symphony, which is, which is what it is. <laughs> now, did it work? Did it get the writing juices flowing well, yeah, in I mean, other Trebuchet, directions? Yeah. Trebuchet came after that. So, I mean, there were a couple of tunes that were done, but yeah, it just, it, it really opened up and just let me flex my musical writing muscle a little bit without, without the, like I said, the, the, the specter, the weight of, oh, i got to finish the song. <laughs> and uh, I thought I would steal from it a lot more. I ended up only taking one one bit of music from there directly. It ended up being a cool. completely, completely different song. Now, I wanted to add, now, because I've got you now, I can ask you this question. I asked it to you, and it's probably in your backlog of Ask George questions. Okay. Because um, while you were working on this uh, project, you put up a video on your on your podcast uh, mm-hmm. That simply showed you sitting with your guitar and a pad of paper and a pen and working out the songs, just writing oh, yeah. from you yeah, have nothing. Like four elements, yeah. Right, yeah. You have nothing when you started. You didn't. <laughs> right. You didn't explain to us while you were doing it. You just set up the camera, sat down, and did it. And while you were working, one of the elements you were working on was titanium. Mm-hmm. And you kept you started you would play a little bit and you kind of okay I'm do a little something and do right. little thing. and I'm listening and I'm saying. Ah, oh, that melody. What is that? What is that? I, like, I, yeah. I, I know where it's going. What is that? What, and then it took Starting me, over, right? That's right. I said, that's yeah. John Lennon's just yeah. like starting yeah, over. Yeah. And I emailed you and I said, is that John Lennon's just like starting over? And then I asked, the question I asked you was, as a songwriter, it, are you able to protect yourself or, or keep yourself from stealing other people's songs? Did you ever find yourself writing a melody that's already been written? Yeah, sure. That, that, you know, my rule is, my personal rule is if I subconsciously steal something from something I know, I, I don't use it. You know, I, I, I won't, if it's, if, if I, if someone points something out like, oh, that sounds just like, you know, this yes tune, mm-hmm. and I realize that I know that song, then like I won't, I, w- I will change it and I won't use it or I'll modify it somehow. If something I've written coincidentally sounds like something else then i'm okay with that and that has happened a couple times um not not very often but a couple times it's happened where it's just someone will say oh yeah this chord progression sounds just like this band and they'll mention it and i'll and i will genuinely have no idea and i have to honestly ask myself okay have i ever heard this do i like would i know this and you know uh, if i can honestly say to myself that i wasn't aware of it then i then i let it i let it sit Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of a, you know, I have to kind of really be honest with myself and I've made some, some alterations here and there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, there was a song, uh, Barney's in the vent, which is on in Bang, mm-hmm. which is a kind of a heavier rock tune. Right. And I wrote that, um, I don't even know what year it was, but it was a, a number of years ago. And then someone pointed out that on the velvet revolver, uh, album, the first album that they did, uh, the the you know the with the singer, the, it was Snake was playing guitar and the singer from the Stunt Double Pilots, um, Scott Weiland. They had a song, uh, I forget what the title was, but the first two bars of their guitar riff and the two bars from my guitar riff were identical. Um, they wrote theirs a year after I wrote mine, you know, or or who knows when they wrote it, but it came out about a year afterwards, and 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 like someone I hadn't heard it. Someone pointed it out, and to me, it's like you know what, eh, I, I'm okay with that because th- th- there's a there's a mathematical consistency to that riff too that just if you're in a drop D tuning, it makes kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just pure coincidence. And then the second half is different, and the melody is totally different. So I was totally fine with it. Um, yeah, occasionally it happens. That starting over example that you're talking about, yeah. that was more about the chord progression, which is kind of just a you know a, a, a D with a raised fourth. Mm-hmm. You know, going up with that, and that, yeah, that's a very obvious. That song is one of the most obvious examples of that. So I, th- I think I stayed away melodically from it pretty much, um, but uh, that again, because it was kind of just more of a writing exercise. Sure. That one I was okay with. 
So if you go on to uh, make an actual album out of that, would you would you have oh, to do gosh, anything I would have with to, that? I would have to examine it. I have to examine it because I think I think it, I think the starting note is the same, but then melodically and rhythmically it really changes. So well, if I recall, when you get to the titanium, that's uh, that falls pretty close in line with "We Were Young." That when he says that line in the song, falls in pretty close. Oh right, yeah, but then that chord changes. Yeah, I, I, I have to, I have to reexamine. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, when you've written something, you think that it's familiar. Have you ever played it for somebody else and say, "What is this? Is this something?" To, to ask a, a second person, "Is this another song that I'm inadvertently stealing?" Have you ever yeah, that no. Happen? Usually, if it, if it comes out very quickly, sometimes I'll wonder, like, okay, well, yeah, what is this from? But I, uh, for the most part, I I, I can honestly usually catch it and say, oh, that's what this is. Mm -hmm. Usually while I'm writing, it happens. So I, I, I seldom get to a point where something is written out completely or you know, a line, a melodic line is done. Usually while writing it, I'll say, oh, wait a minute, that's Duran Duran. Mm -hmm. I should stop. You know, and, I, and I stop and I kind of readjust and change something or, or, or do whatever. So it seldom gets to a point where it might be fully... I, I, I'm way too self-conscious and terrified <laughs> during the writing process. Mm -hmm. To, to, I'm so sensitive and just so aware of what's happening while I'm writing mm -hmm. that, uh, yeah, it seldom gets to that point. That being said, I'm sure someone's going to point out to me that, oh, yeah, you just totally stole, you know, all of this Zappa stuff. <laughs> well, but, Zappa yeah. is, I suppose, your, would be your top favorite artist, musical artist? I, I think, yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's really hard to, to put at the very, very top. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I would say in terms of, Everything that his he does, his approach as well as his music, is just so important to me and so influential. Yeah, I have to confess, I really don't know much by him. Okay, just the you know his well, I guess it would be called his novelty songs, the Yellow Snow mm -hmm. thing, and sure, dancing. sure, those are the ones I know. And then sure. there's this instrumental that's uh, something to do with a tornado or something. It was on a compilation CD I had. I thought it was pretty cool. A something track. G spot tornado. I don't think so <laughs> maybe okay. that's the one that's the one song that has tornado in it but, okay yeah. <laughs> then maybe that was the one yeah. geez i don't remember the g-spot part of it yeah hmm, i wonder if, that, <laughs> if my wife wonders about that hmm. Hmm. anyway um great now, song great I, song really cool originally well, originally done on computer but yeah i'm gonna need to do more you know licking into uh, um, zappa i have a friend sure. of mine that tells me zappa's really great you should you know and you did give advice to people you know Check out if you're first going to Zappa, his more accessible stuff to draw you into him is yeah. this album or this thing here. And, you know, you yeah, that's there. one of the top questions I get actually is where do I start with Zappa? Because people know that I'm a fan. So uh, about once a week, someone will write to me and say, "I really want to get into Zappa. Where should I start?" Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a series of live albums that he put out that are, that are really good because you get to kind of see the whole gamut. Mm -hmm. of the types of things that he does. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, for, for me, I, I, I know most of it. I'm, I'm very familiar with most of it. Mm -hmm. So usually if I can ask someone what they like, what they listen to, I can usually find something that corresponds within Frank's kind of uh, output. You know, so if it's a metal if it's a metal person, I can say, oh, listen to this. If it's a funk person, I'll say this. If it's a classical person, I'll recommend this. And then that kind of it usually just sort of spreads out. It's like a you know Venn diagram to a certain degree. His 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 styles and his influence. And he put out an incredible number of albums, didn't he? Yeah, it's great. It's like I think it, I think it I think it's sixty one studio albums. I think In, plus live stuff. He died stuff. so young. Yeah, and so 50, he produced 50, so much. Crazy. That's insane. Now, yeah. I'm going to gush for a little bit on you again. <clears throat> so get ready. Right, so I will put my galoshes on. <laughs> I emailed you about this. Uh, I sent you a little thank you on it. And um, uh, it's and I'm going to just tell you now. Um, your song, uh, When I Was Your Age, I just, mm -hmm. you know, I love that song. Um, I, I will say I prefer the first version I heard of it, which was when you worked with, I think, Beatnik Turtle. Yes, okay. and they were doing a song of the day, and yes. they approached you to write something for them to work on something with them. And you know, I like the version that you have on Trebuchet, which is a slightly different lyric and a different take musically. Um, right. But I, they, it's if somebody's going to write children's songs or songs for an audience that has kids in it, uh, the way you wrote um, when I was your age is written as you're not. It's. It's not as it, it, that god awful uh, Kenny Loggins singing for you know 
special needs children. You know, <laughs> you're right. you, you know, like he's like all children are special needs children. I, yeah. A friend of mine was playing. I had my son was about two at the time or maybe three. We went over to his house, my wife and I, and my son, and he put on some music and he thought that would be appropriate. Let's put some Kenny Loggins kids music and on about twenty minutes of listening to it, I said, "What?" Is this? <laughs> Can we this take off. this yeah. crap off? I don't yeah. want my son to be stunted. <laughs> you know, we right. we were playing the Ramones for my son when he was that age. Sure, you know? sure, sure, sure. So yeah. I just think that when I was your age, it's just written on such a level like you're 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 not talking to a kid as though he's an adult, but you're just talking to him on a level that you know they they don't. I don't feel like you're insulting them, and I think yeah. the song is terrific. And I told you when I sent my little email note to you that. I had it on my iPod for quite a while, and any time it came on, almost every time I would hit repeat just to just to hear it again. So oh, thank you well, for thank that you. song. Thanks, Jim. That's very nice. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I'm fortunate in that I come from a family of teachers. My mom and dad are both teachers. My sister's a teacher. You know, I I, I saw the the kind of the background of what was involved in terms of dealing with kids. Um, I was a coach. I was involved in sports, and so I was a swim coach where I had to deal with kids from the four to eighteen. And uh, you know, for me, I, I just my own memory of being a kid. I always liked those coaches or teachers that kind of talked to you on a level that seemed adult, mm-hmm. and not that kind of talking down or really simplifying. Oh, you're so smart! That kind of like yeah. that. That when I was a kid, boy, that was you would just smell that a mile away. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always, uh, you know, I, I think I've had a little bit of success in dealing with kids on, on whether it's my nieces and nephews or whether it's other people's kids that if you kind of look at a kid and sort of speak to a certain level like you normally do, I think they really appreciate that. So that is the, the, the tone I was going for in this song. I didn't want it to be, you know, when I was your age, things were tougher mm-hmm. or things were better. I didn't want it to be that, you know, either side of like, ah, you have it so easy now, or, you know, ah, oh, things were way better, music was better. When I, I just wanted it to be, I don't know if you're aware, but, you know, when, when I was nine, the phone was literally attached to the wall, you know, with this cord. Like, you couldn't walk away. Isn't that weird? Isn't that yeah. amazing? <laughs> and, and, you know, most kids would be like, well, why? And then, then a conversation happens. And that's the tone I wanted of like, it's not better, it's not worse, I'm not, you know, being a kid is being a kid, and it's good and it's bad and whatever. Um, I hate people that pine for their childhood, mm-hmm. and I hate people also that talk down about you know uh, uh, their childhood or whatever. So I wanted it to be, hey, this is what was different. Mm-hmm. But then there were things that weren't different too, and that's when I, the final verse is about you know I loved watching Star Wars, and wow, you like watching Star Wars too, and I play <laughs> with Legos, and you play with Legos, and and ultimately the thing that unifies is is before you realize it, you're going to have a nephew that you'll be singing to, or a son or a daughter or whatever that you'll be singing to, and that's kind of the way it works. Mm-hmm. Well, you had talked about uh, ebullience uh, with uh, Stevie Wonder's song "I Wish." Yes, and yeah. your talk about that. Uh, you played a cover version of it, and I said, oh, I know that song. <laughs> and it, it, you made me, uh, just last Christmas when I got a uh, iTunes gift card, uh, I bought the song. I said, i got to have this song. I, you know, so, um, And I think that uh, your, your, uh, when I was your age, you, you capture a little bit of that ebullience that you were talking oh, great. about. Great. Well, yay. Did. Thank you. That's like, like the nicest thing you could say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, you are being a bit of the world traveler lately. Uh, you have just recently gotten back from a stint in Australia and New Zealand. Yes. Uh, three weeks. It's amazing. That's uh, amazing. It's just, you know, your appearance on uh, skepticality really did a lot for you. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, no, the whole podcasting sphere and 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 the generosity of these people that do these shows and and the interest of, you know, I got to travel to Australia, and New Zealand. This was a fan fan organized tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. I sort of said, I'm going to be here. Anybody want to hear me play? And people just responded. Same thing happened in is going to happen now in, in Sweden in, and Finland, you know, or I'm going to Finland to do a, a, a concert for a contest winner. Mm-hmm. A person won the golden ticket and when in trebuchet and, and I, I put a golden ticket in there and basically whoever got it, I would come to your house and the person that got it lives in Finland. So I'm going to Finland. And, and, Finland. When, and yeah, when a bunch <laughs> of Swedes found out about it, they said, 
Hey, could you come to Sweden? I said, sure. So they're organizing it. It's 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 a testament to the the interwebs. It's it's amazing because that that's where I found you was uh, skepticality. Uh, I had a friend of mine tell me right. about skepticality, and so I started listening to it. And you were a guest one time, and I thought, hmm, this guy sounds interesting. I'll check out his podcast. And I don't know where I caught on to you, but I had to dig through your backlog because I'm a completist. And so right, I sure. went right back to the beginning and started listening to him two or three a day, just trying to, okay, I got to catch up. And I think I emailed you to, at one point saying, I'm getting there. <laughs> you know? Okay. I, says, I, I, you I have wanted to, pace to ask yourself. You, you know, I was waiting to ask you questions or make a comment on the podcast until I had caught up, but I just had to add you, ask you this. And you, you were really good about responding. Uh, I had questions about, you know, uh, Penn Jillette was kind of down-talking Ringo Starr's drum playing, and you pointed something out that Penn mm-hmm. got wrong, uh, for, for in case so the people know. Uh, <laughs> Penn Jillette was talking about how uh, Ringo's playing would kind of slip in and out of time. He says, uh, yeah. for instance, like on the, on the White Album, the song Birthday, and I mentioned that to you, and you said... <laughs> right. And what actually, did you tell me? Well, I said Paul McCartney actually played drums on birthday, but that's okay. That's okay. That's <laughs> and fine. I just finished reading a book uh, uh, about the Beatles. It's uh, A Hard Day's Right. Uh, okay, sure. Christmas yeah, yeah. And just reading about each of the, how they did songs. And they did do, you know, getting back to the uh, to music, um, with, especially early on, but I think throughout their, uh, the songwriting career of, of McCartney and uh, Lennon uh, as the Beatles, they would, you know, they would, visit a song or this Chuck Berry song. We like this. Let's do our version of it. Do you, yeah. have you done stuff like that where you say, I'm oh, going to totally. lift this little part or totally. Yeah. Or, or, or a feel or an idea like, um, on the, on, on Trebuchet, there's a, there's a track called, um, one hypnopompic jerk, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a King Crimson exploration mm-hmm. to a certain level. Mm-hmm. This idea of inter- interlocking guitars playing a, a, Harmonic and rhythmic figure together, like cogs of a cogs of a clock. Um, that's something where I could say, okay, you know what? This is something that that King Crimson has really worked on and developed. I'm going to kind of take this and sort of what can I come up with? Um, yeah, you hear uh, you hear a cool chord, or you hear a cool, you know, oh, here's something. Here's a song without bass. Let's say, mm-hmm. you know, like or or. Yeah, you listen to like the White Stripes or something, and sure. you think like, okay, I'm going to write my White Stripes song, or I'm going to write my Foo Fighters song, or I'm going to write my Steely Dan song, mm-hmm. and it's never quite, you know, Steely Dan, obviously, because it's you're not Steely Dan. Sure. So there's that influence, and there's those timbral qualities or harmonic qualities, but it's 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 a starting off point, which kind of helps in the writing process. Mm-hmm. So you know. And hopefully you steal from people that are really interesting <laughs> and good, and you still imbue your own character onto it. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily Talking Heads uh, Remain in Light era mm-hmm. songwriting, but that inspires it. So, yeah, so I do that all the time. And, and sometimes you might not even realize it until after you're three-quarters of the way into the song and the recording of it, you go like, Wow, this has really got kind of a Zeppelin vibe, which I really wasn't aware of. But that's and that's cool, you know, and that's fine. Um, it's all derivative anyway. So whether or not you know uh, uh, it's a direct chord progression or just the idea of like, ooh, I'm going to drop the tuning on on the guitar here the way uh, Nirvana did. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do a drop drop G tuning the way they did for you know whatever in utero because that's kind of cool. And so it's going to sound Nirvana-ish. But it'll have enough of a harab influence with Zappa thrown in there, and you know that's that one of the stock lines is you know my people say what does your music sound like, and I say well it's it's kind of like crappy versions of King Crimson songs <laughs> to a certain degree. That's sort of what it is because if you're if you're King Crimson, obviously I have I have nowhere near the scout the talent or skill or proficiency of of a Zappa or a or a Crimson or a David Byrne or whoever mm-hmm. you know or a Jack White. But you sort of take as many disparate influences as as you can, and hopefully you come up with something which is kind of interesting and can stand on its own. Well, your your version of "Owner of a Lonely Heart" is really fun. <laughs> uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean yeah. That, that's obviously a direct cover, but you know, sure, for me, your version is really one, fun. One of the, it's it's yeah. I mean, to it's, to do a note for note cover of something kind of is 
pointless to a degree unless that's really what you're going for. And I can understand that too. I mean, that's what the funk band does. You know, when my my job playing drums with the funk band is our our mission is to recreate, not to interpret, but to recreate. You know, songs that are whether it's Motown or or, or stinking good, mm-hmm. and it's kind of America's legacy and art form that we want to respect. Yeah. Um, but when you do a cover version of something and you make it your own to a certain degree, that's a whole different kind of fun challenge. So, all right, how can I take Owner of a Lonely Heart, which is such a uniquely 80s kind of tune in its own way, mm-hmm. and do something weird to it? So we change the feel from, you know, from four to kind of a 12-8, kind of a uh, sort of African rhythm kind of thing going on. And, and yeah, just have fun with it. it was, and it's fun. And it, it includes the kitchen sink. And includes yeah, everything, everything including the kitchen sink. Um, and you have some, you always have some fairly, well, not always, but frequently have some fairly fascinating and funny tales from uh, the things you encounter with the Philly Funk Authority. Sure. Uh, and so anybody who listens to Geo's podcast, which uh, you can download at iTunes, Geologic Podcast, uh, you will hear some of those because you, you tell a great story and they're funny. Um, I'm going to start, I'm going to wrap it up here. I've taken enough of your time, but I'm, I, whenever I end my show, most of the time I try to give a movie recommendation. Uh, I hate to put you on the spot, but would you have a movie recommendation? Could be current or old, doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Um, my goodness. I put you what did I, oh, you know what? Yes, I just rented. No, actually, I got this for a gift uh, for someone and watched it with with her uh kiki lee and i watched this and this was this was recommended by my mom of all people mm-hmm. um it's called young at heart and oh. it's a documentary about a group of senior citizens that have a choir that they've put together in i believe it's new hampshire and which that fact in and of itself is anything amazing but the person that runs this choir insists that they sing rock tunes mm-hmm. so it's all popular rock music, old, new, whatever. Uh, and these songs, the, 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 the energy and talk about ebullience, uh, that these, that these seniors, I mean, I think the youngest person in the ensemble is, is like 78, maybe 75. So it's real, it's seniors. I mean, it's seniors singing songs, you know, by, you know, should I stay or should I go, you know, or songs by, uh, Oh, all kinds of different, different, you know, punk tunes and, and, and rock tunes. Mm-hmm. They reorchestrate them. They kind of make them their own. And the, the lyrics just take on an entirely new meaning when an 80 year old is singing, should I stay or should I go? You know, it's amazing. And you get drawn in. The, the, the documentary is so well done because you get drawn in because literally people within the ensemble are dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and, they don't know if they if they're going to be around for the concert that they're working on because who knows you know but boy it just completely reminds you or reminded me as a musician uh the power of music and the power of performance and the power of shared experience again going back to you know your initial conversation about being in church you know to me a good song is church mm-hmm. you know and that shared experience of whether it's Everybody singing Beatles songs together, you know, drunkenly in a bar, not knowing the second verse, <laughs> or whether it's fans of mine, you know, the most surreal experience for me in the last couple of months was to be in Melbourne and have various people mouthing the words to my songs. I mean, it was, it was to me personally surreal, but to them it was kind of a shared moment and mm-hmm. it was just as important as any church service and all the more real because it was, it, it just existed in its own sort of sphere. So this movie brought that all back and reminded me of it. So I, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's really, really great. It's called Young at Heart. And my wife would want to give you a big hug and a kiss for recommending that. She's been trying oh, okay. to get me to watch it. It's been on PBS recently, and she, okay. she's been trying to get me to watch it, but my timing is just wrong. Right. It's in our Netflix queue. She says it's oh, good. a Do it, wonderful Jeff. Do it. movie. It's, so. it's great, yeah, and it's and it's not cloying or syrupy it's actually quite moving and and but very funny and 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 touching and frustrating and mm-hmm. and, and great and, and really I, really good i have caught a couple minutes of but i say i i don't want to watch it because if i i want to see it from the beginning i don't yeah, want to yeah, you definitely. know i don't want to come in it's oh no no i gotta stop watching this you know i gotta see it from right. the beginning well right. geo thank you so much 
Oh, thank you, Jim. Spending some time with me on this show. I will, I will make this a two-parter because dang it, you've got good, uh, stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure. So thanks for coming on. Um, I, I forgot to say this at the beginning. Vibraphone. Thank you. Vibes to you. Thank you very much. And, uh, I look forward to next week's podcast. And, uh, thanks again. All right. Thanks so much. And, uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks for being, uh, in the lion's den there. Tied to the wall with a jinky, twisty, three-and-a-half-foot cord. It's hard to believe, but it had a ring that could not be turned off or ignored. We couldn't choose the sound of the ring. It was just the sound that we called the phone. We never heard of a ringtone. When I was your age, our video games looked nothing like the illustration on the box. All of the graphics consisted of nothing more than simple lines and dots. Missiles were just a few pixels, and the jungle swinging guy was a stick figure. Nothing bigger. When I was your age. When I was your age. Now is your age, we had this stuff called film You would stick in a camera before you took a shot And then you had to wait like a week until you could tell what pictures you got You would hand the film to a guy in a parking lot Who lived in a booth Yeah, it's the truth When I was your age, you had to wait till a movie was either in the theater or on TV. You couldn't rent an adventure if you wanted adventure. You just had to wait and see. And once you were watching, you couldn't stop or pause or even try to rewind. But we didn't mind. When I was your age. When I was your age You see me as a grown-up Singing from the stage I bet you can't believe I was ever your age But I hear you love watching Star Wars more than me I wanted to be Indiana Jones and Dr. Jones is who you aspire to be And I like playing with Legos and Legos are what you currently build and rearrange Yes, some things never change When I was your age, I didn't like doing homework But when it was finished, it always felt real good I didn't like brushing my teeth, but I brushed my teeth Because Bert and Ernie said that I should I didn't like listening to Mom, though I knew deep inside It was the right thing to do So do you You know what's true Before you can say boo You'll be my age too You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Your assignment is to listen to the buzz on Monday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Central.
Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. And we're back on Dimland Radio uh, here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, and that was it. That's my that's the second part of the two-part interview with the great George Robb. Um, i got a couple minutes here. I'll give you um, some what's coming up. Next week, I'm going to be doing an all-music version of uh, Dimland Radio, which, is, uh, which means if you want to hear it, you have to be here. Uh, I can't archive the show, so you can't download it if you miss it. So if you aren't there, you're not going to hear it. And next week's all-music show is going to be kick-ass. That's right, it's going to kick-ass. This is uh, I consider my music shows uh, an ongoing education as to what is cool music, or at least what I consider cool music. You might disagree, it's fine, you can if you want. Uh, anyway, but yes, next week it's all going to kick ass, and um, there isn't any heavy metal in it, and there isn't any 80s hair metal in it, because I'm not a big fan of the 80s hair metal, um, and, but uh, but the stuff that is in it kicks ass. So, uh, and there- Okay, I'm going to jump in here. Uh, obviously, this show's from six years ago, so uh, you're not going to have a music show. That goes back to the days when Z Talk Radio did have uh, a license where we could play music shows. Uh, we just couldn't uh, put them into the archive. You, you could download them. So I used to, I did, I don't know, 30-some music shows, and they were kick-ass because every song I played, I liked. Huh? Yeah. Every one of them. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't, you know, obviously this is from seven years ago, so or six years ago, so let's not... Uh, don't be looking for any music shows because you ain't going to find them. All right, I'm going to go back to the the old show and have me continue to wrap it up. There are a few 80s songs in there, but I, you know, it's a couple fairly recent. Uh, also upcoming, I would imagine on uh, February 5, February 5th, I will be uh, talking about the uh, worldwide tragedy of mass overdoses uh, as the 1023 campaign uh, does it again. Uh, 1023, they are a a group of people that organize uh, other folks around the world to to overdose on homeopathic uh, medicine. So I'm sure I will be telling you about uh, all the uh, the deaths and uh, hospitalizations of, oh, wait a minute, it's homeopathic medicine. There's nothing in it. Nobody's going to get hurt. Oh, yeah. But I'm sure I'll mention it again on on February 5th, because that's what's going to happen. It's worldwide. All sorts Good night, of, um, doctor. Good oh, night, yeah. Frau Blucher. Look at that. It's, I'm to the end of the show already. It's like I hardly said anything at all. I mean, an hour-long show, and it just felt like I was just sitting here. I, I, you know, I'm doing a little typing, maybe. Didn't really seem like I was talking. Well, I hope you enjoyed the two-part interview with George Robb. If you missed either part, uh, you can... Um, I mean, if you're listening to it right now, and I'm telling you if you missed this part, does that make sense? But if you missed this part, or last part, you know, or the first part, actually, which have been last week, you can download it at the archives uh, on ZTalk Radio. Just go to ztalkradio.com, look for the where it says Show Archives, click on that, and then you'll see the Dimland Radio folder, and you will find them in there. It'll say George Robb Part 1, George Robb Part 2. Uh, it'll take me just a little bit to get it uh, on the archive, this show. On the archive. Well, I don't need to go into the minutiae. So, anyway, be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Um, this has been Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network, and I am your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, thanking George Robb again for being my guest. It's such a cool thing, and reminding you to sleep with the lights off. Night, everybody. Oh, Saturday Scarefest, up next.
This has been a production of the Z Talk Radio Network.